Hello, Docalos. It is I, Bob Sham. I host this podcast you tuned into. It's called the Documenteers Podcast. It's about documentaries where each week we discuss a different documentary, or I do, with another person. In this case, it is me and my wife, Angela, who you've heard a lot if you've heard a lot of this show. We are discussing the f- documentary Tiny Shoulders Rethinking Barbie by Andrea Nevins. And we're kind of all over the place. We don't exactly go hit by hit down the linear order of this film, but we do uh, have a lot of conversations about feminism, beauty standards, politics. It's kind of uh, an interesting conversation, I think, and kind of really just just the start of the kind of conversations you can have around this. And as much as I think Barbie's kind of ridiculous, uh, Barbie does seem to inspire a pretty broad conversations. We got to deal with her regardless of whether or not we like her. She's just so apparent music. You hear in this episode, by the way, uh, you hear clips of some fun songs that I like. Uh, you hear, uh, the song paper dolls by this band called the nerves an influential, late 70s power pop band uh you remember the blondie song hanging by the telephone hanging on the telephone that was originally a nerve song and then we got the song another uh an 80s classic never say never by romeo void and we outro the whole episode with one of the greatest punk songs of all time rebel girl by bikini kill gets me pumped every damn time And, uh, yeah, and these songs, I think, go pretty nicely with the subject of Tiny Shoulders Rethinking Barbie, as well as the general societal issues that we talk about when talking about Barbie. And on that note, let's get into talking about Barbie. Tiny Shoulders Rethinking Barbie with me and Angela, director Andrea Evans. Let's get up on those tiny shoulders and keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film, a thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Every single second, there are two Barbie dolls sold from Bloomingdale's to Bangkok. It's a remarkable fact that Barbie has a recognition rate of something like 98%. 98% of the world can recognize Barbie. That's more than the president, that's more than Coca-Cola, it's more than the Queen of England. She is the the symbol of of America. One of America's most durable personalities. (laughs) I'm so grateful that I didn't grow up with Barbie, thank God. (laughs) I love being a fashion model. Angela. Bobby. Uh, I beat you. We we are <laughs> all month long. We had a wrestling documentaries, and you didn't do one of them. What the fuck, man? You didn't do one, and you probably watched more wrestling than the other. Three people who did them. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that I watch more wrestling than anyone else on this podcast except you. 
And uh, you're welcome for allowing you to record with me in the studio here. We're supposed to have some social distancing going on. I didn't say thank you. And but I know, but I'll just pretend you did, just so that we can move forward. Also, I'm thinking that you're gonna have to get your own streaming services that are separate from mine because <laughs> I can't run the risk of contamination. Well, that we use the same streaming services. Oh, what about like bathrooms and? Yeah, I've been kitchen. Meaning to tell you about that. Is there another kitchen you can use? Oh, do you want to move out? <laughs> Are what? you telling me to move out? You actually seem weirdly excited by the idea. <laughs> I am so happy where I am and who I am with, but I think I'd be really good living alone. You'd love like a little mother-in-law that's just yours. Oh, fuck yeah. Maybe someday we're going to make that happen for you. Your own little zone. I'd like it if we had a house with two other little houses. Yeah, but it connects in the bedroom. No, oh, that kind of house. Yeah, if we had two separate houses, but there was like a walkway, like our bedroom was the only common room. No, I mean like a house that's our living house where we sleep and eat and cook and do laundry. But then you have a separate house that's like your studio and gaming room. And then I have a little separate, like two sheds. And then I have like a little separate house that's like my sewing and like Hmm. crafting and yoga area. Yeah, well... It's all a fantasy. And they'd be tiny houses, right? Well, we would get like a house and then have like two like sheds like converted tra- into houses. Slap a bunch of... I've always wanted like... Three trailers. Four trailers. Make, four? <laughs> making like oh. a square. I could have one for Brian too. Yeah. You could have a Brian trailer, an Angela and Bobby trailer, an Angela trailer, and a Bobby trailer. <laughs> and a dog trailer. No, they get to be in the middle. <laughs> They're in the middle. Okay, we're not talking about wrestling this week. What? No. But we're not going to talk about anything super sad or anything, thankfully. No, we're not. not for a while. But we are talking about uh, that that icon, that feminist icon. <laughs> <laughs> Watch yourself. Oh, boy. Man, this movie is it's about mass production. It's about sexism. It's about second and third wave feminism. And I think it's about low-key reactionary identity politics, too, which... That it was the least blatant of that last one, uh-huh. and maybe it's just my toxic brain, like reading it. But we'll get into more of that. It if, could have even been completely unintentionally about that. I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think the idea of these politics, as I'll get more into, I don't think I think people have maybe kind of tricked themselves into, into thinking that they're not perpetuating this yeah. or doing very little and assuming it's quite a bit. Yeah. But we'll get more into that. We're talking about Tiny Shoulders, Rethinking Barbie, the 2018 documentary by Andrea Nevins. It came out in 2018? According the, the launch they do is like 2016, right? According to uh, the IMDb I have open here, it came out in 2018, which, mm-hmm. could be, which could be wrong. I was just looking something up because I swear they just had a newer version. Yes, they did. And I will talk about it at the end. A newer version. Yeah. So this version, can we just spoil? Like a director's cut? Yeah, go ahead. Not of the movie, of Barbies. Yeah. So like this, I kind of figured this would be a little all over the place. Like it the will Pills be. one. We okay, didn't good. take notes, so sorry if we don't have any names. We just didn't take notes. Well, there's not like, okay, the loose outline is we are going through the months 
leading up to including like discussions, preparation, planning, production of a new Barbie line that's coming out in 2016, that came out in 2016, that is more size inclusive. Mm-hmm. Which I have so many thoughts about <laughs> because... Finally, normal women can have their bodies. Uh, the The average... An average woman can finally have her body represented. Okay, I'm of two minds about this. So, one side of me, I've always been a heavy person. Mm. I was a chubby kid. I was like a chubby teen. I was not fat, but I was chubby. Um, I was probably a size 12, which is what these dolls, basically, the new curvier Barbie is about a size 12. I would kill to be a size 12 today. Right? I'm so not. I'm so far from that now. Wait, you'd kill? I no. We'll talk later. <laughs> I would not kill. But I would I would love to be a size twelve now. When I was a size twelve, I did not appreciate that because I thought I was so fat. Uh because I did grow up playing with like Barbie dolls and in the eighties where everything was like super toxic in regards to Sure what a woman was supposed to look like while no one actually looked like that. It always has been, but I feel like there is a very much more prevalent conversation now about people being all kinds of different sizes and loving yourself how you are and accepting yourself how you are. There are some really strong, like, female voices in that space right now, like Lizzo and, like, Nicole Byer is someone who talks a lot about. Actually, her thing is not, her thing is just love yourself. Yeah. You know, like, be proud of who you are, and if you're fat, be fat. And I like the word fat. Some people don't. Some people find that word very offensive. But I am fat. I identify as a fat person. I don't think I've ever known anyone who finds it offensive. Oh, I've had people actually say to me to please not call myself fat because I am being mean to myself. And I'm like, (laughs) fuck you. It's a descriptor. Yeah. Like, I love the thought that you're having right now, like that you want me to care about myself more. But me saying that I'm fat is showing you that I am accepting of myself the way that I am. I was not always that way. You should call yourself Juicy. Juicy. <laughs> yeah. Juicy. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, so I did grow up as a kid being like chubby. My favorite Barbie doll of the Barbie doll brands. I always liked brunette Barbies because I'm brunette and there's not that many. But, like, I liked Skipper because she was, like, kind of, like, she had, like, a more normal figure. You know? Like, Barbie was, like, this crazy hourglass situation. And Skipper was a little more, like, normal looking. Barbie was, like, a size one. Barbie was not a, a real person with Barbie's dimensions, I think, like, could not stand up without a corset. Like, it's a ridiculous situation. But... So there's part of me that says, if I was a young kid, I think I would have appreciated having a Barbie that was more like me. And you do see that in some of the children that they show them to in this. It kind of, I actually teared up at one point because it was this little girl that was like, I love this Barbie because she doesn't have a gap between her legs and her belly's not flat. And like, I identify with that so hard. I think also, but those kids are products of a well-established third wave feminist offspring where things are much more open in terms of like intersectional identity. Yeah. Also regarding gender and sexuality. Yes. So it makes sense why those kids would think that, but you being a child in like 1984 handed a, like a thick Barbie. That would have been amazing. Do you think you would have, or would you have been like the other kids in the test room that they showed? Whereas like, 
No, there's something wrong with that Barbie. It's too fat. No, I don't think I would have because, like, the women in my family were all fat. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and I loved them. And, like, I think I, I think I would have loved the, I would have loved a fatter Barbie. But my, here's the thing. My grandmother was always fat, too. Yeah. But she would, unironically, trash other people's weight. Just because she sure. was overweight does not mean she wasn't perpetuating any problematic things. Yes, but that is, again, another generation. And we're also, but we're also raised by these generations that tout that. So... I'm not saying, Yeah. I think, you know, I'm just, I guess I'm just warning about like presuming enlightenment on our young selves. Well, no, and I'm not, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100. I think I would have, I think I would have liked having the doll. I'd maybe wouldn't have appreciated it until I was a little bit older. Sure. And started having like more body issues, like as it being a more prevalent thing. But here's the deal. They actually say this in the documentary and I agree with it a hundred percent. It is not the responsibility of this one doll to influence children one way or the other. Like Barbie is a huge name, but Barbie is not the only problem. Yes. And is not the only solution by a long shot. But the other thing I was going to say real quick is this Barbie is not fat. No. She's not fat. She is normal. Yeah. She is average. A size, I think 12 is like the most normal, like tip, not, I hate to use the word normal. Right, right. It's the most typical body size. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times your average person is going to be between like an 8 and a 14 or something like that. Like mm. you're you're very rarely going to find these like teeny teeny tiny people or huge, you know, but I mean, I don't know. Don't you feel like Those a lot extremes. Don't you feel like a lot of television I mean, Hollywood will pat itself on the back mm-hmm. for uh putting I mean, we've seen it a lot of times like we're taking back this magazine or or we're on the cover of the magazine bigger is beautiful and yeah, they just they're like still like twice smaller than we are, you know? Yeah, and it's this weird thing that's happening now where, yes, they'll be like, bigger is beautiful. And I remember seeing an article, this was probably in the early 2000s, that upset me so badly. I can't remember what magazine it was. It was something like 17 or whatever. But they were showing this picture of these models in a bikini these bikini models, Mm -hmm. and people had written in complaining about how fat the girls were. Okay, I had seen the picture when it originally came out. They weren't fat. One girl had like a tiny pooch on her belly. Yeah, yeah. On the lower part of her belly. Which, P.S., that's a totally normal thing for any fucking woman to have. You have a little pooch under your belly button. Mm -hmm. That's like part of your bod. This girl had one. And people were writing in saying how it was disgusting that they would put her in a bathing suit and put her in a magazine because nobody wanted to see that. When was this? This is like early 2000s. Okay. And so to me, from it being like that all the way to like now we have this sort of opposite thing happening, I feel like, where people should accept themselves and love themselves whatever size they are. Yeah. Just across the board. But then you'll have someone like Melissa McCarthy lost a bunch of weight because she's getting older and she wanted to be healthier. She has kids. She wants to like set a good example. Sure. But also just like be healthier. And if you're being unhealthy and you've gained weight because you're unhealthy and you change your health patterns, you're going to naturally lose weight. Right. Whether you're actually trying to lose weight or not. Some people can be very healthy and actually be overweight because of their body chemistry 
or whatever's going on with Metabolism them. Metabolism or conditions therein. Yeah, and you don't know what's going on with someone. There's also people who get super praised for being how skinny they are, and they're sick. You don't know what's going on with yeah. them. Like, it could be an, a disorder, or it could be actual, like, a sickness. Like, you don't know when someone loses a bunch of weight why they've lost weight, and it's none of your business. Yeah, there. well, gosh, I mean, the world loves to presume... We're very good at seeing judge, seeing everything outside of our own selves. Well, yeah. But not being able to add it. It's just everything's going out and not much coming in. Especially when you're talking about people who feel the need to even comment on shit like that. Well, that's the thing. Like the Melissa McCarthy thing, she lost some weight. And then everyone was like, oh my God, she was such like a heavy icon. Like now she's lost this weight. And why would she do this? Now she's not an example for whoever. And it's like... But fuck you. She's just trying to get healthy. But you can tell she's still like T-H-I-C-C thick. Yes, queen. Yeah. I don't think she ever not going to be. I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing with me. Like, I try to be healthy. I ain't always good at it. I'm a big girl. I'm never going to be a little girl. I feel like there's a lot of Hollywood that is like, here's a very skinny woman. Mm-hmm. And here is a sassy fat woman. And she's, 100. And she could only ever be like an... Comedy relief, often oversexed because I guess it's funny. Yeah. I, I feel like I see that in sitcoms a lot. Yeah, it's like some big lady who like wants to gobble dicks all day. Yeah. Not that I watch that much sitcoms these days, but I, but I feel like that is like a trope, you know? And she's always like eating because she can't find a man or something. No, Micah Molly was a pretty good show. I did watch that no. sometimes. You think that's, I think that might be the last good laugh track sitcom I've ever seen. Was it a laugh track? Yeah, there was a laugh track. Probably me too, because I don't think I watch anything that's a true sitcom anymore. Yeah, because most of them are fucking awful. But uh, but I only call them sitcoms if they're laugh track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. I haven't watched anything with laugh track in forever. But I guess just there's so much to like talk about about body size and image and all of that. But there's this woman who's like the creative director for Barbie or artistic, whatever she is. She's like the 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 brunette yeah she's sort of in charge of the overall the plan th- the pr brunette near the end no the okay, okay i know what you're talking about the one who's like it's so important to her and she's always wearing this like barbie stuff that's in another language it's like machino or something and it's barbie but like she's got tons of shirts on that are like some like i'm pretty sure other language barbie i'm pretty sure the majority of elizabeth warren supporters in the country were in this movie oh probably <laughs> Probably. Um, and this lady, she's like a cool chick and she grew up playing with Barbies and she's now found herself like, she's like a lesbian. She's a feminist. She's, you know. Yeah. But, and she's like the head of. Good old bumper sticker Designing feminism. Barbie. Yeah. Well, and you know, Are she you? talks about how a lot of her friends don't understand how she does her job. Like why she does her job. Why yeah. would she work there? It's almost like a contradiction to assert find some level of moral value in a scenario that can only succeed through marketing and money you are correct i think mm, yeah it is it is one thing to be like why are you working for barbie and not like some company that's like giving back to the world or like doing something better with we're getting more into the identity politics thing about it yeah and when i and when I criticize identity politics... Yeah, explain that a little bit. I'm not criticizing the idea of wanting to have a positive identity within maybe your sexuality or your gender. My 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 thing about reactionary identity politics is that people will focus solely on 
a gender or a sexuality and accrue that and spread that very thin across the terminology of progressivism mm. when merely it's just like one or two points within the greater tapestry of what constitutes true progressivism. Like, for example, if, um, you know, like Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, I think these figures identify the, themselves as progressive. Uh, Gloria Steinem, she's a, she, we saw her. Yeah, she's uh, in this. OG, uh, first, second wave feminist, um, prolific author. She's personal friends with Hillary. She's, she's admitted that. Mm-hmm. And there are things that, in terms of criticisms of the patriarchy and how it's held everything down, and everything I'm actually about to say, I also think is a result of sexism and repression of these subcultures. But the idea that, like, say, Pete Buttigieg, for example, people will think that voting for Pete Buttigieg because he's gay <laughs> makes him progressive. Mm-hmm. But they're ignoring the fact that Pete Buttigieg is going by a framework that's where he's setting him up to just be a gay Joe Biden, which is essentially just centrism or center right. Mm-hmm. When you have to have policies that like Medicare for all and shit like that, these uh, wealth, wealth inequality. Hello, interrupting Bob here. I don't know what happened with that last recording. I think I accidentally stopped the recording. It's too bad. I was really laying it down perfectly what I was trying to say in a way in which was really convincing and would have caused the world to go forward to help solve every problem that we have in the in the society. But I lost it, and um, yeah, but we can keep going from here. Just wanted to address the random stoppage in the recording, all right? Let's get back into this. Someday, maybe you will be an airline stewardess like Barbie. Coffee, tea, and milk. Or a school teacher. I'm going to have to keep you after school. Or even an astronaut. Wait a minute. Change my mom. Now you can be all of them with Mattel's wonderful new game called Barbie's Keys to Fame. It's all about the marvelous careers you might have someday. Hey folks, uh, we kind of accidentally stopped recording there. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. I think I just clicked the wrong mouse. I got like two computers going on here at the same time, which fucks me up all the time. But anyway, as I was saying, the we see a certain level of class and standard within this um, do, within this documentary, but we don't see the issues that affect maybe impoverished women or anything like that. Mm-hmm. We see very well-to-do kind of... Um, you're, you're, you know, like your typical second wave feminist, like women in the workplace getting theirs and getting theirs. But, you know, 
And so there, but there's just a big difference between that and and like real progressive policies that support Medicare for all, debt relief, uh, people paying companies actually sometimes at least paying a little bit of taxes. Sure, sure. But I think, um, and I don't, I don't know what I said in the last bit or what. We said a lot. But I think there's just a lot of people that will be like, well. Well, I like, I support like gay marriage, so I must be progressive. Mm-hmm. But if you support gay marriage, then first of all, I know plenty of Republicans that support gay marriage. But if you support gay marriage, but think that Medicare to all for all is like too far, mm-hmm. then you're not a progressive because it, it takes more than like two points, two beats to make that progressivism. I think sometimes with reactionary identity politics, it kind of, it blinds you. It makes you not see kind of the forest for the trees. Right. And no one is just one thing. But the emotional the emotional reaction of it, the reason that re- exists is probably because of sexism and racism and classism that go on. But they but I think a lot of us a lot of this process of for me becoming a progressive minded person is to understand how I'm complicit mm-hmm. in that. And how I'm a part of that and how I perpetuate it when I do, don't understand it. And I think a lot of people let themselves off the hook very easily mm-hmm. for having like one opinion that isn't trash. I mean, I assume you people support gay marriage because it would be rude of me to just assume someone I does, don't know is that much of a piece of shit. True. So that's like there's certain values that, you know, ob- it doesn't seem obvious to a lot of people. But if you're a decent person, it should be more than obvious to you. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of it's like Coke versus Pepsi politics. Essentially, if you compare yourself, if you're a blue no matter who Democrat and you only compare yourself to like the GOP, then you're gonna look pretty good in comparison. Mm-hmm. But like, just because it ain't shit doesn't mean that people want to eat dirt, and that doesn't mean you're progressive. So, wash it, wash it. Anyway, what was he saying? I want to talk about. I think I went off the track because I really got distracted by the fact that we weren't recording a big chunk of that. And I don't know what we said before it stopped, truly. But I think we didn't get into the history of Barbie. No, I don't think we did either. Um, Ruth Handler, tell me about her. So Ruth and her husband had a company that they were running out of their garage. And I don't really know what they were making before Barbie. I guess other toys. But one day Ruth was watching her little girl named Barbie and her friends playing with paper dolls. And the Barbie? Yeah. The little girl named Barbie who inspired it all. Her name was probably Barbara. Oh, uh, real quick, because I'm so woke. Don't. Uh. I just want to say that those paper dolls were too thin. Am <laughs> okay. I right, ladies? Okay, that is very, very funny, but don't ever call yourself woke. Okay, all right. No all one, right. No one <laughs> should ever call themselves woke. If you were listening to this right now and you call yourself woke, stop it. Mm. You are a (laughs) douchebag and you have some things to learn. If I call you woke, I'm probably making fun of you. You, okay, never call yourself woke. Also, allies do not need to say they're allies. They need to just fucking be allies. I mean, you need to tell someone you support them, but you don't need to wear a t-shirt that says, I'm an ally. You don't deserve any praise for that. That is just what you should be as a person. That's kind of what I just said. Yeah. yeah. Like, you just be there. 
Mm. It's not your space. You don't need the attention. Give it to someone else. So Ruth and her skinny ass okay. patriarchal so Ruth, paper dolls. So Ruth goes to her husband and says, I think that we can turn this paper doll into a 3D doll. Because what she saw was these little girls playing with these paper dolls that looked like grown women, putting different outfits on them, pretending, oh, when I'm grown. So she says, we can make a 3D version of this doll. And her husband and every other person in their company said, Ruth, you have a vagina, <laughs> so you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. So Ruth's like, fuck all of y'all. And she didn't, she couldn't move on it by herself, but she kept it in her head. And then she travels to, where did she go? I think it was in, uh... Well, they started manufacturing these in Japan. Was it Japan? Before that, she went somewhere in Europe. And she comes across these dolls. And they are not for children. They are these dolls called like Billy Lily or something. Lily something. And they are sold in liquor stores. Oh, to yeah, grow yeah. Or cigarette shops to grown men. And they look like women. And they, they look so much like Barbies. Barbie pretty much was copied from this doll. Like, the original Barbie had, like, the high ponytail and the tiny bangs. Yeah. And that is what this doll looked like. Gidget, and they were if she very, was starved to death. Right. They were very, what's that shape? Hourglass shape. Hourglass. And they were obviously for grown men. These were basically 10-inch What are 10 grown inch men doing with dolls. these dolls? Are they beating off on them? I don't know, man. They must have been. <laughs> like, why else would you sell? Now, she was like, maybe they just set them... On a shelf, or I don't know what the fuck, but Maybe anyway. Maybe they were just a closet gay men admiring the outfits. Anyway, she comes back home with this doll, and she's like, this, this is what I want to make. And they start making them in Japan, and they yeah. start mass producing them. And everybody's like, eh, this is not going to do a thing. They made so much fucking money in their first year that it was unbelievable. Yeah. They became a Fortune 500 company within years. The refinement of marketing to kids didn't really blow up until the 80s. Yeah. Ruth, in terms of knowing what knowing what kids might want, was decades ahead of her time. Oh, yeah. In culturally, in this, because it took decades more even after that for so many companies and television stations and even, like, manufacturers to be like, oh, kids shit? Like, we can tell a lot of kids shit. Because mm -hmm. you remember the 80s? It was all, like, kids marketing. There just were about. TV shows that were basically just commercials. And just 10 years prior to that, like, the biggest, like, movies in the theaters were, like, movies about divorce. Like, Kramer versus Kramer and shit like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And then came Star Wars. Yeah, and then Star Wars. I think Star Wars had a big, broad appeal, too. So It did, but I think it was one of the first highly marketed to children. Yeah. But situations. But Barbie kind of probably was one of the first ones to show how powerful kids Absolutely. marketing can really be. And the thing about Barbie history that is so interesting and most people don't ever think about or know, especially nowadays, and even when we were growing up, I don't feel like this was a conversation that was ever had. Barbie evolved through time based on what was happening at that time. So the idea was always let these little girls pretend to be grown-ups to play act what that would be like as opposed to only having baby dolls before, which is just play to be a mommy. Mm -hmm. Like having a baby doll is basically like, oh, you want to be a mommy one day. Here's practice being a mommy. But then Barbie comes out and she's a stewardess. She's an astronaut. She's 
I mean, yeah, she was a stewardess and not like a flight attendant. I mean, not like, not a pilot. Later, she became a pilot, though. Like, I think that did happen, yeah. like, in the 90s. Oh, she's been everything. But at first, it was more like secretary Barbie, stewardess Barbie, but they were career women. Yeah. And the thing was, then, you weren't career women. You weren't ever supposed to be. Like, you'd go to school, you'd even go to college, but you'd go to college to meet your husband, and then you'd start having babies, and then you became your husband. And then you got a cop Barbie, and you realize women can shoot unarmed black men, too. <laughs> but it's the Am I right, ladies? You're going to put one of those laugh tracks in right there, aren't you? <laughs> Sisters, doing it for <laughs> themselves. You know that there were uh, Nazi, female Nazi pilots? Mm-hmm. Were they uh, doing it for the ladies? <laughs> you know, I was actually listening to something today talking about... Eva Braun? <laughs> Nazis and about how... It's a completely different thing to be, like, the higher-up people in charge of what was happening and then just to be a soldier. Yeah. Because if you're just a pilot or a soldier in that war, you are just doing what your country is telling you to do, and you kind of don't really have a choice unless you you're get the drafted. fuck out of the country. Because unless you can get the fuck away... Or you're going into a labor camp. Exactly. You're going to have a terrible... So a lot of those people were, in a way, being forced to do what they were doing. What about Eva Braun, Hitler's girlfriend... Who had definitely had more political weight and pull than your average grunt? Is she a strong uh, representative of a female coming up in the world? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm kind of going back to my uh, reactionary identity politics point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas, um, because <laughs> I think a lot of the reaction to that, like if a woman becomes like a CEO, and you're and it, but I've heard this a lot. It's like. Well, men do this corrupt shit, but women can't do it. Well, if you're going to do the corrupt shit, I don't care what your gender or sexuality Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. I don't fucking want you there. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, just having that representation is enough. But you got to have, I don't want a woman to take an old white man's job and then act like an old white man, which is something we've actually seen quite a bit. I was going to say, we've had uh, that. Hillary Clinton. I mean, we've had that in our city with our former Miss Mayor. Yeah. Which was very upsetting. And she was supposed to, she was, I mean, politically, she actually was closer to progressivism, but. Well, it was the first female mayor we've ever had. Yeah, and she ended up, like, fucking her bodyguard and not hiding it. And misappropriating funds. Yeah, come on. Come on, lady. Anyway, that was very upsetting. But, I don't know if we said this before or after you stopped recording, so you can cut Go this ahead. out if I Go for it. already said it, but. You know, one of the things that the women in this movie talk about is you get kind of these two sides of you have this artistic director person. I don't know exact title, but she's kind of the main lady who's pushing this. We need more body sizes in the Barbies. Mm -hmm. She's a feminist, lesbian person whose friends don't understand why she's doing the job that she's doing. Then you have this polar response from your PR person who's basically just trying to shoot holes in something, which is what a PR person does. Well, her whole thing was, if we do this, you know, Barbie's always had different careers and stuff, but the line for the last 70 years has been, Barbie is just a doll. We don't have different sizes of Barbie because Barbie is Barbie is Barbie is Barbie. And when we then give them different sizes, then that does become more of a, like, societal statement. Like, we're trying to say, like, Barbie is not just a doll. Barbie symbolizes all women and should. 
And so she was all more blonde concerned women. Yeah. Of, well, there's different colors of hairs of women. Yeah, but the, but they're got different names. Well, Shakira part of what they do, and whatever the fuck. Shakira, I think it's Shanti. Shuri. <laughs> um. Anyway, what they what they're doing with this new line is different sizes of Barbies, but also more inclusive skin tones and yeah. hairstyles and even facial features. So they try to not make, not every Barbie has the exact same facial features as the next, regardless of the color of their skin, which is what it always was before. But what I was going to say is, these are both women who may consider themselves feminists, Mm -hmm. but they're coming at this same topic from different directions. One is saying, Barbie should be an example, there should be different sizes because we need to make this statement, and Mm -hmm. the other one going, this is a doll, there's a bigger problem the whole weight of this whole situation shouldn't be placed on these tiny shoulders mm-hmm. of this plastic doll, hence the name of the documentary, yeah. is that we've placed this like whole big thing down onto this doll. Yeah, and I'm pointing out that their identity is within their own culture, which, I mean, they still deal with things that women deal with, but it's more privileged than people like like an immigrant woman or that is in a fucking... The, it's just I know a lot of people are like, are you trying to assert like a, a moral test that is rigid? And to me, it's not that rigid. No, the thing though is, is that this documentary also does not go out of the doors of this company. Yes. So while you do, while we do tend to see, maybe not necessarily hear from, there are some different types of folks in these rooms. It's not all just white women. Yeah, that's in true. these rooms. Um. There are people of color, there are men, there are potentially, we know there's at least one lesbian, so there's different, like, sexualities represented in this room. Like, there there seems to be a fairly diverse group of people, but they are all at this one, st- this status. Yeah. Because they all do work for this company. Yes. There's no kind of going out into the world talking to people about what Barbie means to them. They're not uh, churning out poverty Barbie. Who, who Barbie's always a dollar. Barbie and Gloria Steinem actually makes this point very mm-hmm. well that a lot of, especially in the '80s culture of like the get up and go, it's it kind of lended this false idea that hard work always pays off and that you'll never fail if you just keep going. But that's but realistically, that's just not true. I mean, hard work is just the foundation. It's not really a philosophy. If you want to accomplish something, you got to work for it. Like. Mm-hmm. The only time it ever comes for you is if you're born wealthy. So, and in that case, then I guess they didn't have to work hard. But everyone has to find their own justification. Because in this country, we have this diseased brain where we pretend like we all did it ourselves. Mm. With no help from anyone. Rugged, which is ridiculous. Rugged individualism. Which I think the last rugged individual probably died in like 18... 1875 and we have i don't think we've had one since i would i would believe that (laughs) maybe some guy living alone out in the woods making his house out of twigs and killing his own meat but yeah that's doesn't happen even survivalists now still go to the store yeah they still could they still can (laughs) like there's literally people who paved the way for them to be survivalists nowadays I need to use the potty. And then we're going to talk about Ruth. But I'll put in the Nerve Song Paper Dolls, too. I think we talked about all we could about Ruth. No, we'll get to it. Paper Dolls. Literally don't know what you're talking about. Would you like to go shopping? (laughs) What shall I wear to the prom? Cutting out of my paper dolls 
inevitably leads towards as we go through the 60s, 70s, and 80s that um, that does actually provide more of a nuanced intersectionality towards the type of politics I'm talking about, one that isn't as contradictive. There is definitely like reactionary identity within all layers, but the but there's a lot of third wave shit that is a lot closer to what I'm thinking. Uh, notably, like the riot girl movement, the punk move, the punk girl movement in Washington, Bikini Kill, and the like. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you had Barbies, right? No, oh, yeah. My experience with Bar- I remember like me and a cousin uh, going into his little sister's room, and then we put all the Barbies in sexual positions and made them 69 because we thought, we probably thought that's how you made babies was 69. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I often felt like, but you know, a boy's toys also kind of uh, like He-Man. They were all ripped, right? Oh yeah. So we don't have to, admittedly, it's, it's not a one for one in terms of what women deal with and men deal with in terms of body image and issues. But a lot of boys were carrying around toys that were kind of nowhere near the body image that they ever were. For sure. Absolutely. I, you know what's... I honestly don't... I said earlier that I would have appreciated a bigger Barbie. I would have appreciated a bigger Barbie. But I don't think Barbie was my was a problem. Right. I don't think Barbie itself was a problem. Barbie was just a doll. Barbie wasn't to me what I was supposed to like. I was never going to look like Barbie. Yeah. But I did appreciate a Barbie with brown hair because that was more like me. I would have appreciated a bigger Barbie, but I don't think Barbie in and of itself really made that sort of impact on me. There were so many other things making negative impact on what I was supposed to look like, mostly television. Honestly, mostly television and magazines. The frustration of a lot of... uh especially in the second wave feminism when they're talking about the, the complaints of the existence of Barbie and the standard, I'm kind of totally behind them 100%. And the people who work in this Mattel dealing with the evolving of Barbie admit that this is kind of like, it just seems so broad to put all this weight onto a doll. But at the same time, you can't help it because Barbie is fucking prolific as fuck. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing of it. Like, she's the symbol. Yeah. But the, like it or not, she means something culturally. She does. I guess what what's interesting for me is I love I love that they made curvier Barbies. Mm-hmm. I do. Curb your enthusiasm Barbie. Curb your enthusiasm Barbie. <laughs> This is off book, but can I tell you about the new Barbies that just came out? Sure. So these Barbies are mostly the ones, this is 2016, this documentary. So these Barbies are more size inclusive to a point. I could argue that a size 12 is what some people would call Lane Bryant fat. Yeah. Or not even really. Okay, like normal again? Actually, actually, a size 12 can still shop at regular places. Okay. I can sort of still shop at Target. I'm a little bit almost too heavy for Target. Really? Yeah. I mean, and I'm a size like 18 or 20. If I can wear an 18 in something, I can probably find it at Target. If it's a 20, it's in the fat girl section at Target and it looks terrible. In the 90s, they had Tweety Bird shirts of all sizes. Oh my God. Don't even get me started in putting fat women in cartoon clothes. (laughs) And also, I like prints. Not everything needs to be in bold prints and flowy. Fuck that noise. Um... 
But we need more frills on these shirts. Again, a, again, a size twelve is pretty average size for someone. I would argue that's not even fat. That's just average sized. But anyway, it's a little more size inclusive, obviously, than anorexic can't yeah. even stand up Barbie. So what they've done in this new one, and like I said, there's a few more um, skin tones in it. And there's um, more hair. So what they've done now is they've actually got a new line that's even more inclusive of different skin tones and hair types and stuff. And there's actually even a vitiligo Barbie now. Oh, really? There is. Um, This is actually what I was thinking of. So the Mattel skin tones revised, there are actually 10 skin tones now. Wow. Um, and vitiligo is not even in this list. Uh, I don't know when this is from that I'm looking at. So maybe me saying 10 is not all of them, but, but yeah, there's been a new thing. And it was very interesting because they talk in this documentary about how there's no way that they are ever going to make everyone happy. And that's 100% right. Uh, because when I saw this and I'm just looking it up really quick. When I saw the big picture of all these new Barbies, and I was like, oh man, that's really amazing. Like, there's a Barbie with vitiligo. Like, there's Barbies with, you know, different sorts of hair than there used to be. Like, more, like, natural hair for certain kinds of people that they maybe wasn't represented before. And so, that's really amazing. I don't feel like dolls and toys represent me because I have functioning genitalia. And I feel like... (laughs) I feel like they exclude me in that regard. Well, what I wanted to say regarding to that is that someone actually, what I was reading, what I was reading, made the comment of, "Well, you don't have a bald Barbie, so what about kids who have cancer or who have uh, alopecia?" Or, and it's one of those things where it's like you literally are never, ever, ever going to make everybody happy. No. There's no way that a doll can solve all of the problems that we have, be completely inclusive. Yes, it has been a symbol that has been problematic through time. We're also... The intent was never to be problematic through time. We're also talking about marketing and capitalism. The one thing these dolls are not allowed to do, I don't care if you make it the most inclusive doll ever, Mm -hmm. is lose money. Mm-hmm. And they might put out some limited batch collector's items thing. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't make money, you're just not going to see a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And that's just the pure, simple fact. So there's always that inherent flaw with something that is beyond anyone's control to represent femininity in American culture. Yep. And and and, and really, Barbie's bullshit. Like, there is a bald Barbie. P.S. Yeah, you there fucking is a bald haters. Barbie. I'm looking at her. There's a doll with vitiligo, one with no hair. Um, there's a Barbie in a wheelchair. There's a very short Barbie. A there's, little person Barbie? Mm, I wouldn't say she's a little person Barbie. Uh, they don't have. Uh, well, fuck them then. There's a Ken Barbie with very long hair. Uh, that's. Uh, sorry. That's a step too far. There's a Barbie with a fake leg. That's cool. That is cool. So they're fucking trying. And I appreciate that they're trying. But they're like you trying said, to make money. If these aren't going to well that yeah, okay. So there is 
a conversation. I I am not a person who works in marketing. I have done marketing you have for a different soul. projects in the past, and I hated it. Yes, you're right. I hated it. But I do work with marketing people. And one thing that I will say is that, yes, the bottom line is to make money. The reason you have to make money is so that you don't go under, right? And you want to do a good job. So if it's your job to try to figure out how to sell this thing, then you're going to do everything you can to sell this thing. But in today's society, in order to sell these things, you actually have to pay more attention to what society wants. And you have to appear to be more in tune with what is going on. And you can't seem like you're still living in the 1960s. Yes. And that's the whole problem. And one of the things they were worried about with launching this this campaign in, in 2016 was people are going to say it's too little too late. And I, maybe it is, but it's never going to not be. You got to do it at this point. Like I, you're going to be late now and late later. Every every bit of progress, every piece of justice is always too late. Nothing is ever enough. It's never going to be. It will be. always be too late. Yeah. The damage the damage will always have been done. Mhm. So I understand that phrase, but like, what what's the option to do now? Exactly. Oh yeah. So it's too little, too late. So we just stay where we are. And no. I and I can't remember if we recorded this or not. If it was something we didn't record. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I know that we are dealing with the children of third wave feminism now, who are used to intersectional intersectionality with gender and sexuality. Mm-hmm. So they're a lot more open to different styles and sizes of Barbary mm-hmm. because they are more open to that representation. And I'm and when I criticize identity politics, I criticize reactionary identity projected onto people that rule this country. I'm not talking about the empowerment of identity of being like a black woman or a gay person or that's there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that is a small piece of a greater progressive tapestry. And you got to encompass a lot more than just a few things. That's all I was saying about it. It's still important that girls be proud of themselves, that you become proud of the way you were born. And I think kids now, there is more of a market for a lot more of that variety nowadays. Mm -hmm. So I can see how it would work right now. I mean, I do hope people are getting less shallow, but also I think people are more politically divided and deluded and kind of congratulate themselves for very little and i think that's a lot of what we're seeing in the bar in the barbie boardrooms is people kind of congratulating themselves on very little but like you said the the barbie we got at the end of this movie was a size 12 like a regular size well while you were talking about that i was just thinking about i mean what what they're doing you know they they interview little children and some of the little children are like oh this barbie's ugly because she's fat yeah I like the other Barbie better. But then there's other little girls who are like, I like this Barbie because she doesn't have a thigh gap, because her belly is not flat, because she looks like this. I like her more. Yeah. The thing is, though, is that with having these different... Children do not buy these dolls. Some children buy their own dolls. If you have allowance or whatever, you can go pick them out. There is one little girl that was like, this was the only plus-size Barbie left on the shelf. Or curvy Barbie, because she's curvy Barbie. This is the only curvy Barbie left on the shelf, and I had to have her. You know, and like, there is that. But like you said, these little girls' feelings about this stuff is what they're learning from their parents. And this kind of stuff is allowing that parent to go and feel like they're woke because they bought their kid yeah. a curvy Barbie. But the, we so you're saw, just it's like a cycle. We saw this little girl <clears throat> saying she was very excited about her curvy Barbie. Yeah. 
and she stated something along the lines of that this her body type was like hers. But yeah. she's holding a representative of a grown woman. And she's a little girl. Like, she's, her body, I mean, she could probably make an educated guess of what your body type's going to be. But this is like a developing person. We, well, but that's how you think when you're a kid. I guess. Because I, I mean, I was always a chubby kid. So, like, I mean, I had this idea of myself as being a thinner person that I honestly haven't gotten out of my head until recently. Mm-hmm. There's something very ingrained about how you're supposed to look different. And so that's why I'm saying, like, I think that if there had been a Barbie who was bigger, it is just sort of saying to you that that's also okay Yeah. in this same space. And for her, she was like, well, I'm a bigger kid. Her mom's probably bigger. It happens. Like, that's to how me, that works. And to me, she just seemed like a kid. She's more natural. She was a kid. Just a kid. Like, nothing, like, one way or the other. Just how a kid usually looks. She was, yeah, but she wasn't, like, super thin. And the thing is, is that you get, and not that she needed to be. She was a kid. Yeah. But it it happens very, very early. The first time that I, I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I was in Weight Watchers at 12. I also still had Barbies at 12. Well, it's like a weird in-between place where you're like, your body's about to start changing and you're about to start growing up, but you still want to be a little girl. And I love my mother. Let's trash our parents. Hell yeah. I was just going to say, like, my mom has also always been a bigger lady. Like, I have her wedding dress from when she married my dad and she was teeny tiny. But that, but ever, But I've never known her to be that small in my life right she's not I'm bigger than my mom like for sure she's skinnier than I am smaller than I am but she's never been like super thin and yet she was very concerned about her weight and also very concerned about my weight I was not fat right I had baby fat but also I was a kid but also your parents are even if you're growing out of that baby fat your parents are feeding you your right? parents are feeding you, yeah. Your family well, are feeding you. You there, know, yeah. it, I feel like there's a there's a generational thing where certain parents, and this, I felt like it was common out in the sticks. Like I said, my grandma had weight issues, but would talk about other people's weight without the least bit of irony. Where I saw people tra- like tease their kids for being fat, but you're the one who's providing for this child. It's... It's like they remove their own responsibility for a position that their child is is in that they disapprove of. Yeah. In this case, being like their weight. And it was just like the dumbest contradiction ever. It is. Uh, there is also an argument to be made for for the fact that if you don't have a lot of money, you can't really buy good food. Yes. And so you're feeding your kid processed stuff and tons of carbs and... They don't go outside because the parents don't get home until after it's dark and they can't go outside when the parents are not home because they're latchkey kids. I mean, there was a whole situation going on. Do you know what I mean? Like, not that I don't. um, But it's like generations trashing like millennials. And it's like, but you're the generation that raised the millennials. So where's the responsibility lie? Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. And I don't even think there's anything inherently wrong with millennials. Every every generation makes fun of trashes the next generation. But you're not removed from that culture. You're not removed no. from that. No, and I'm not saying that they were. I'm just saying that, like, you know, there's extenuating circumstances sometimes yeah. as to why, you know, you maybe don't have as much control. 
You know, it's easier to see every class but your own, truly, in terms of what you're seeing as as what's working elsewhere or or the or issues of justice or anything like this. It's easier to see others than your own. So, and everyone's got that problem. So, in terms of who you blame for what or what. Well, and I guess that's what I'm trying to do is like be honest about the situation that we were in. Yeah. Like we didn't have a lot of money. We were eating a lot of canned food, frozen food. Spam? Spam. Absolutely spam. Vienna sausage. Salisbury steaks, Vienna sausages. I kind of like those frozen Salisbury steaks. We will never have one of those in this house. <laughs> never. But I'm just saying, like, you know, when you go to grandma's and it's like ding-dongs all day, you know? Oh, yeah. Two bowls of ice cream and you get crystals for dinner. Like, that's just Holy what shit. you did. It was like a kid's dream, that's, but it was like a fat kid's dream. That's how I eat when you're on a business trip. <laughs> you know, Ruth Handler, the creator of Barbie, uh, was arrested for mail fraud. What? Yeah, that's what it that said. That wasn't in this. It, yeah, it was oh. in the post credit. The movie seemed to end, and then it was like, one more thing about Ruthie. I don't know. I don't see that. She got placed, kicked out of her company for mail fraud. What was she doing? They just said Mel Frog. Uh. And then she developed like um, prosthetics for women who had mastectomies. Oh. You didn't see that? No, I saw that. Because saw we the thought the movie was... ended yeah. and it didn't. Okay, and I saw the part where she was on like Johnny Carson or something with her like fake boobs. Yeah. And having him, fe- it was not Johnny Carson, but a show like that and having him feel on her boobs. But it was weird because we got a lot of Ruthie in the beginning and then it tacked on this thing at the end about Ruthie. How, oh, she's a little shady. By the way, also she invented prosthetics. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Is there anything else uh, we want to say about tiny shoulders? I guess basically to say, you know, at the end of the day, four different sized Barbies came out. One was shorter, one was taller, one was regular. And one was just right. And one was just right. (laughs) With no thigh gap. And I did, I did. I was happy for them when it came out. It was well received. Like I really do like like they got this um, Times cover, and the title of the article was "Now Can We Stop Talking About My Body?" Which no, I liked that. My answer is no, we can't. There, we made her two sizes more. Can we stop? We can never stop talking about Barbie's body. I know, but it just goes back to the whole like. Can we just all stop talking about bodies in that way? Like, good or bad? Like, you're big or small, okay. It's none of your business how big I am. It's none of my business how big you are. Unless you're hurting yourself, then someone speak up to you, please, because no one should hurt themselves. But, like... Honestly, if you're hurting yourself, even that's none of my business, God. You Unless you reach, if you reach out, I'll do what I can. But I but guess that's the thing. Like, you're only going to really know that if you're close to someone. You should true. never assume that. Well, I mean, like, if, if I'm you close know, to you, I'm going to say something. Well, I've had I've had a friend in the past who was. I I mean, I also dealt with like bulimia, anorexia issues when I was younger. Um, I think a lot of girls do, and I had a friend who had issues with that, and. I wasn't strong enough at the time because I was dealing with my own issues to like reach out and try to help her. Um, And I regret that sometimes. I think she's fine now. You know, I think we're not friends anymore and haven't been for a really long time. But She's too skinny for you. No. (laughs) 
And it's disgusting. But I'm just saying, like, if you're concerned about someone's health, you should offer to help them. But again, like you said, it's still their body. You can't make them do shit, especially if they're adults. Like, they Mm. have to make their own decisions. But it's no one's business, and it shouldn't be a good or bad. An interesting thing about the thicker Barbies, T-H-I-C-C thick Barbies, is that the beauty in the in the in the realm of broad beauty standards, the ass has been in for quite some time. The hips and ass they're they're a lot more praised nowadays than they were when we were kids. You mean in society? In society, yeah, or in our society, you're still gonna get people fucking dicks. I mean, look at the modeling industry. Who's running that industry? Are they like they're not your construction worker, blue collar sexist? No, it's women and gay men. Yeah. In the fashion industry. I was just listening to a podcast talking about this. Like, it's women and gay men. If you actually ask men what they want, they typically want a little bit of a thicker lady. Yeah. Because you're softer and you got a nice booty. And nice boobs, if you're into boobs. Like, if you have a little more fat on your body, those parts are going to be a little more plump. Yeah. So, but like... Not 100% of the time, but mostly. But typical men are maybe like, there's something about a patriarchy that's brought up when in terms of how sometimes dangerously skinny these models seem but they're not like your generic levels of patriarchy that are running this thing Mm -hmm. but they are other women and gay men that needs to change and i know there's like bigger women runways out there and stuff it's it's happening you see more of it now it's it's but through more and more and more through time it's not it's not something that's going to change overnight but it's something that is changing right now but even if you view of you can view a thick barbie even through the problematic chauvinistic male gaze. Mm-hmm. And a thick Barbie isn't even relevant in that sense. Bigger button hips is not considered as, as a bad a thing. I mean, they're kind of, they're really self-congratulatory about a size 12 Barbie and the way they came to decide on it. But they're, but the society's pretty much already there in terms of what they, the standards that they want. The Kardashians and their big asses. They've but been that's on, still tiny waist. They've been waist. on the scenes for a long time. It's still tiny waist, and it's still airbrushed the fuck. Like no one's being real. I mean, I haven't, I haven't measured the Kardashian waist. I, I barely have seen them, but I just know they exist and they got big asses. So have we solved everything? Sure. Is there anything else? We were all over the place on this one. This was <laughs> not like a linear discussion. No, I'm good. Uh, math is hard. Am I right? Angela, we don't rate documentaries in a star rating scale. Mm-mm. We rate it in a Herzog rating scale. Uh, and Herzog is a third wave feminist baby. Uh, <laughs> third wave uh, leftist feminist, right? I might be projecting onto Werner, which is dangerous. You know? Yeah. I, I don't want to project. What the fuck am I talking about? You're going to give this one through five Herzogs. I'm going to give it one through five Herzogs. You're going to combine them for best out of ten. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? first go ahead what'd you think of tiny shoulders rethinking barbie by andrea nevins it was fine i liked the history part of it i thought it was interesting watching them come to that decision like i said i felt like it could have been a little bit shorter but it was interesting hearing the discussions around the table when they would argue about certain things or over certain things and even when they kind of did like a war room to prepare for the bad backlash they could get was very an interesting tactic to be privy to if you've never seen something like that happen. But overall, it was fine. 
I did get a tiny bit emotional, like I said, when the when the doll actually like was released and everybody was like, "Oh, it's happening," you know. But because it is a big deal, I, I I do recognize it as a big deal. Like even as I was saying, like it's not the only thing, and it's not up to the doll. I can see both sides of it because it's not up to the doll. The doll is a plastic thing, and it's what we've projected onto this doll that is the problem. The doll has no personality. Yeah, <laughs> the doll is a piece of plastic. <laughs> yeah. But it is important that that piece of plastic is now being molded in different ways so that it is more representative. I would like to see a size 24 Barbie next. And uh, until you give me that, you're really not pushing any kind of envelope. I'd like to see a size 48 Barbie. So there. 600 pound Barbie? Yeah, my 600 pound Barbie. Hey. I With a Tweety Bird. Like a triple X, quadruple XL Tweety Bird shirt. Oh, Stop it. And then it's wearing a little cowboy hat. Vintage uh, Twitty City era. I have, since I was a child, rejected the fact that as a fat person, I needed to wear cartoon characters on my clothes. <laughs> that the only pajamas I could find in some stores had fucking Warner Brothers all over them. Not a one cartoon character. What about uh, Kathy from the Kathy comic strips going ack, ack, ack because she can't no, fit into the dress? Not me. Hmm. Not me. I would wear a shirt of Irving, the love interest of Kathy from the comic strips. I would wear an Irving shirt. I think... Quadruple XL. Probably the last time... Oh, this is funny. Probably the last time I wore a shirt that had cartoon characters on it was when I went to Washington, D.C. in seventh grade. And they the real big thing then... So that would have been like 93-ish. 92, 93. The big thing then was the cartoon... Warner Brothers that looked like gangsters. Oh, yeah, those are huge. And then you can see their backs also on. I definitely got a couple of those shirts. Oh, every kid. From street vendors in D.C. I never got any because my grandmother only went to like three places to get clothes. Mm -hmm. And none Mm -hmm. of those places sold gangsta Looney Tunes shirts. Mm -hmm. But I always wanted one. And I never got one. Anyway, back to this one. Movie. I'm going to say three. Average. That's like an average, right? Three. I like the... It may just be my brain reading really heavily into it, but I did I did think this movie was interesting in the, in the layers of things that it made me think of mm-hmm. in terms of um, eras of feminism. And that's pretty... It's kind of a pretty good introduction into like second and third wave feminism. It's not like one you want to like... It, it's not your go-to to really be educated on it. But it actually is a fairly good introduction into it through the perspective of this doll and the beauty standards of it. And my and like I said at the beginning, I do I did feel like low key it was about reactionary identity politics as well. But that's admittedly that's a lot of me in it. Mm-hmm. But it didn't but I have to give the movie credit for uh making me think about all these things. Mm-hmm. And and I think there was flaws in this movie. I mean, I'm not emotionally invested in, in Barbie. I'm not. I was. I'm not a little girl, or ever was, and if, it wouldn't matter to me one iota if Barbie just ceased to exist. I may be Mm-mm. in a lot of that old school second wave camp. That's like maybe it's better if Barbie just isn't around. I mean, I always said, and we don't have kids, but I always said I wouldn't get my kids Barbies. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of, or like and this is what we were talking about earlier too. Maybe your kid can have a Barbie. But when we were little, we had 20, 30 Barbies. I would not buy my child 
that many Barbies. It can be a doll amongst a ton of other dolls. They're pretty pricey, too, compared to the other dolls, right? How much is a Barbie? I don't know. I remember being shocked at what the prices of Legos were, and I felt bad asking for a set around Christmas when I was old enough to see how expensive that shit was. But I pretty much agree with your score, and I'm only going to go .25 higher because of a lot of what it made me think about. But, uh, whoa, I just saw your face when you looked something up. How much? These are collections of Barbies. Like 10 bucks At Best Buy, you can buy Barbie doll Fashionista dolls, which is the new thing, uh, for $9.99. That seems, yeah, that, I think, yeah, okay. That's not bad. I made that face because there is a doll, the first doll that came up is one that I actually owned, Holiday Barbie. Yeah. For holidays and stuff sometimes you would get specialty barbies and i would occasionally get them this holiday barbie in box original goes for one thousand dollars wow and i had this barbie well you had it you don't have it anymore okay real fast i'm gonna tell you why i don't have any barbies please so when i was like 14 maybe when you don't play with your barbies anymore but like you still love them because they were your barbies between like 13, 14, we were having a yard sale. I went down to like the gas station or some store with mom to get like change for 20s, like get ones. Get him some cigarettes. My dad sold my Barbies. Here's the deal. They weren't outside in the yard sale shit. They were in my bedroom. Someone came up and was looking for Barbies and he said, oh, my kid's got Barbies that she doesn't play with anymore. I'm going to sell them. He sold all my Barbies. Did he give you a cut? I don't remember. I just remember crying a lot. I'm thinking no. You take your three, combine it with my 3.25. That is a 6.254. Tiny Shoulders, Rethinking Barbie by Andrea Nevins. And there, I felt like we could have unpacked so much more in there. But in the interest of me not like uh, talking myself up into the ills of society... <laughs> there should be a we need a movie about the princessification of fucking everything as well i, I feel like that might oh, even yeah. be a bigger issue than barbie in and of itself true and the the standards that th- throws out there but 6.25 it's like a fine score a little over average and i think um i think that's that functions here for tiny shoulders cool and that's that um size 48 barbies please and keep on docking. What shall I wear to the prom? I love barbecues. I love Barbie dolls. Which outfit is your favorite? The one you're wearing. I'm going to be a veterinarian. I'm going to be a journalist. Let's make some new friends. I just made one. That girl!